0: This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South soccer podcast. Do you
1: understand the words that are coming out of my mouth?
0: Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't
1: nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth,
0: man. We are... South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Miles of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in the Palatial 680 The Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana, Josh Bagrianski next to me. And tonight we celebrate victories. Yes. Well, a victory. We celebrate dominance. Dominance, you say? We celebrate the mm. the continued reign of the King of the South. Mr. Joseph Martinez yeah. More importantly than all that We have you tucking us in tonight You've got a bedtime story for us Yeah you're really pitching this bedtime
1: story I'm <laughs> Are you telling me you don't have a bedtime story? Last time I was here I left in humiliation After I talked about the Nicholas Bentner story that was three years old And now you want me to tell a bedtime story And for all you
0: know this is part of that, that ruse <laughs> or, or
1: a ruse just like it I should say Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll think of something by the end of the show. Right.
0: Any recommendations would be great. be great. I was thinking something Joseph Martinez-related, <laughs> considering he is the man, the myth, the legend. And holy moly, what a couple of goals he scored. Um, yeah, we can get into how they scored it and how the game ultimately went last night. But that goal, look, we, we talked just a few weeks ago about um, his top goals. With Atlanta United, that's probably the
1: best. That probably takes the cake, right? I mean, between the first touch and faking out a couple of defenders and you know on his weak foot, although well, he's pretty much two footed, you'll, but you'll,
0: you'll always have the one that breaks the record against Orlando City with the look back and or the stare back. That's up and there. That's that's that's, that's going always going to be hard to beat. But this one, my goodness, the way he kind of just does all himself, I'm not necessarily convinced that the scorpion kick didn't go off the dude's face. So I'm not giving them full credit until I can find another angle because I'm pretty sure it goes off the dude's face but whatever. I give him credit for the effort. Don't know that it's I just need to be proven I I need proof that it didn't go off his face. The first, first touch you mean? This is the, yeah, the score Yeah, thing. yeah,
1: I mean I think even though even even if that does take a deflection, I mean it the ball went the way that Joseph intended for it, for it to go. So I mean yeah. I still think that touch whether that's interesting. I didn't think there was a deflection, but maybe I, there was. But there I totally remember, there totally could have been. I remember
0: seeing, and I was like,
1: I mean, I I, I realize what he's doing. I know
0: what he's doing. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, he's trying to. Yeah. To right. me,
1: it's like yeah, if there's a deflection, but what he intended to happen happened, and that that touch is what to me seals the deal as this being his best goal aside from the way that it ended and all that. But and just weak foot and all that. Good yeah,
0: stuff. and then I think I mean I think you need to realize. Which can you really call it his weak foot at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's that looked, he, he's that completely two footed. I mean that's one of those strikes where the moment it was off his foot you. You're thinking that's that's back corner upper ninety. I yeah. mean, just just a brilliant strike. And then the, the first goal was a great finish too, with set up by PT Martinez with a good pass. So uh, you know, your individuals definitely for carried sure. you uh
0: in Cincinnati. Uh a two nothing win for Atlanta United over the dreadful FC Cincinnati, um, a team that is is it officially the worst team in the league in league history? I think it is, right?
1: Yes, they are pretty bad. Uh, (laughs) And look, they are pretty bad. It's it's partly honestly they've played two of their better matches against us. Well, well, I was going to say, look at it.
0: If not for all the injuries, they might have a better season. But when you when you they've they've had a a hell of a season in regards to injuries. It's kind of incredibly unfortunate that their season has kind of gone the way it has. Um, You've missed on players that you brought in. I'm not going to say you came in too fast, but at the same time. Some of the player acquisitions kind of indicate that maybe you were doing things, maybe a little too rushed, or maybe with with not the sense of not not the level of patience that a team like Atlanta United would 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 want when when acquiring a player or when really trying to decide what yeah. players to bring in. But that's neither here nor there. The point is that they're really bad right now. Yeah, I mean, and they're, for they're a nice. little bit, for a while, for about sixty minutes, well, fifty five minutes. I was convinced this game wasn't going Atlanta's way. Well, you thought uh, I was preparing Atlanta for the We're going to lose. I was preparing for the loss and tweeted out, was. of course,
1: to scare the you know what out of our entire I, I, fan base. Fortunately, even Cincinnati—that's how bad they are, Eric. <laughs> even they can't the dread god, the dread Eric. God. <laughs> I mean, they, when you roll out of that lineup, uh, but um, you know, I'll tell you one thing, Eric. The, the the game was very. I mean, one thing you saw is how bad Cincinnati is. They're considerably worse than Columbus, who are one of the worst teams in the league. This, the, the the matches were very similar, I thought, the Columbus and Cincinnati matches, the way that they went. Uh, but just Cincinnati's lack of quality, they weren't able to create quite as much as they wanted. But I think, you know, we could sit here and we talk about Jose Martinez and PT Martinez, whose assist was, I think, going very untalked about with that first goal. He was brilliant. Splits the defenders. Man. It has to worry yeah, you, you a little bit, it. though, that, you know, you just played two of the worst teams in your conference, two of the worst teams in the league, and Basically, it came down to individual quality. Against Columbus, you didn't didn't finish your chances. You conceded a good amount on the other end. Columbus finished them. Against Cincinnati, you got those two moments of individual brilliance, and Cincinnati didn't finish. But this was easily a game that could have gone so similarly to the way the Columbus match did, with just you know a little bit more. Uh, if Cincinnati were a little bit better at soccer, you know, what I mean, yeah. simple as that, they just didn't have the quality. Oh, I think, I think, so, I think,
0: I think, next year a game like
1: this, Cincinnati absolutely wins. But I'm a little worried, Eric, because, you know, you, like I said, the, you've played two real bottom feeders, and I think that the, I mean, the the. the it, teams are starting to figure out, I think, Atlanta United, where the weaknesses are. We've talked about the wingbacks both basically being attacking wingers for several, it seems like months at this point. It seems like teams are catching on to it. It seems like teams are catching on to the fact that you don't have a super disciplined six in Eric Rometty positionally, and you can pull them out. And so you've seen two matches in a row where teams have allowed Atlanta to hold possession, um... And they've still been able to look dangerous on the counterattack. And we're talking about Columbus and Cincinnati. And if you can't control the match against those two, then I worry about what you're going to do against more quality opponents when you go into the postseason. So to me, this Atlanta United team, with not much time left to the playoffs, you need to find an identity. And I don't know... uh, I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's Justin Miram and, and Julian Gressel as your wingbacks in a crazy, aggressive 3-5-2, 3-4-3 formation. You're just so, so exposed at the back, and I don't think you've shown the attacking consistency in the system you're playing to control the game enough where you're not conceding those counters all the time when you're exposed. So I think there's a lot from these last two games that that you have to be kind of worried about, and and three matches if you go back to the Philadelphia match, where you've really, really been in matches that have been far, far too open. Yes, they're matches you could have won with a little more quality, but you don't want to just be winning matches from your individuals. You want to have a solid system. You want to have a, a disciplined defensive uh, game plan, and that hasn't been the
0: case for Atlanta United over this last month, whether it be top opponents or bottom feeders. Well, for me, it's, it, it it indicates one huge thing. Well, two, two enormous things. One is that uh, it makes me think, when is Barco coming back? Because he he seems to be the key to make this entire team go. And as far behind, as playing with a clear
1: team. identity, it's been with him in yeah. the
0: lineup that you've you've kind
1: of seen the ability to, yes, play the possession Frank DeBoer wants, but also be solid enough on the ball where you're not being exposed on the counter. When he's out of the lineup, it's totally a totally different story. The
0: second thing is that Lane United doesn't seem like a team, at least without Barco, that really can dictate any part of the match. Even though they won this match, they didn't dictate so much the way they wanted to play. Because they basically succumbed to what uh, what uh, FC Cincinnati gave them. I, I sat there and watched them continue to kind of try to... They, you, you, they're dependent on, on Miriam and Gressel on the wings. They can't really work the ball inside anywhere. I I, I retweeted something Felipe said about um, essentially quick passes in the middle of the field is the way to break this. And I, I said this last year. I said the year before. We've known that this a, a team that bunkers is Atlanta United's kryptonite. They don't have – they're not consistently technical enough in the middle of the field, in tight spaces, to break a team down like that. Even as bad a a team – even as bad as a team um, as Cincinnati is. Who, look, defensively, they're awful. So if there's any team that you want to at least work something like this on, it's a team like FC Cincinnati. Without Barco, that's not going to happen. For whatever reason, Pitty's not that player. Joseph – He's he's amazing going to, to go, going to goal. And, oh, he's and, and he's and he's he's gotten. He's so a much striker. Be- I mean, yeah, he's not going to influence the possession sure, play. He's gotten so much better at, at at playing with his back to goal, even in those tight spots. But Gressel, Miram, Miram more so than Gresham, I would give I'll give Miram a pass a little bit, but he hasn't been put in those positions to to play in those tight spaces as often as I'd like. Heineman hasn't been that player either. Nagby has shown flashes, but it doesn't seem like he's too concerned with really pushing that far forward. And I don't know that it. We necessarily want him to be. Mm-hmm. I think we still want an outside uh, along the edges of 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 where Atlanta is essentially because without Nagby in the middle of the field, I, I think that more often than not you're well not more often than not but you're losing possession more often in the middle of the field uh, and having counters go the other way without Nagby controlling or being that pivot guy that that can sometimes switch the field a little bit. Um, but with Barco in in the, in the starting eleven, you at least have a better chance. Of getting those quick one twos that open up space for someone else in a position that maybe the the, the defense isn't noticing at that particular moment, we we just don't, there's not a lot of movement in the middle of the field to really open much up. What Atlanta what resorts to is is what everyone seemingly hates is circulating the ball around yeah. uh, through through the back line back to the other end or the other side uh, the other wing, uh, eventually pumping crosses. I'm, I think like most people I'm kind of sick and tired of of, of how often Gressel. Miriam, not as much, because Miram is a little more technical on the ball. But how often Gressel, Gressel's pumping and crosses, you've got neither of those players cutting inside to, to start a run of their own. It, it's, either, it's either feast or famine with, with Joseph Martinez. And as of late, it's been... You, well, you see what the results are when you just depend on, on Joseph Martinez. Yeah. You get a goal from him in the last three matches. 15 altogether, Whatever but what, what, what we're talking about is the last three when Atlanta United hasn't looked as great as as crisp as they want to be. But you look at how this team has scored and it's essentially all through Joseph. You can't... I'm not saying he can't do it, he can't put the team on his back, but you're seeing what it's like without a, t- a guy like Barco who can... who's able to feed more to Joseph, who's able to open up more space for a guy like Pity to to then distribute uh, to different parts of the field that, that... The difference with Barco is that just everything opens up. Yeah, I everything think... opens up. Whether it's whether it's the attention that he draws or or the 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 runs that he makes. But when it's just Joseph making those runs, cuz I'm yet to see Miriam make that run. I'm yet I'm yet to see Gressel make that run in the last few matches. It you're not you're 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 allowing the center backs, you're allowing the backline as a whole to essentially focus just on Joseph and where he is. So that makes it really easy for for guys like Pity, for guys like uh the Heinman, for guys like Miriam, for guys like Gressel to kind of get stuck with who to pass it to and not really have a uh, uh, an option other than to pass it back. It wasn't until you saw, basically, in the second half, late in the first half and in the second half, when you saw Cincinnati getting some more chances than they had gotten previously, that the game kind of opened up and allowed for Atlanta United to to start a counter. You saw that all of a sudden Guzan isn't playing the ball short off of a goal kick. Yeah, that was deliberate. That was to me. That's direction from from Frank De Boer. Because he knows, all right. Well, we tried it my way for the first forty-five, ish, and also we, we got to change it up, otherwise we're never going to score. Yeah, and, I, and it's through it's through the pressure from Tito that that Joseph gets the second one, and it's again the the, uh, it's Guzan starting the counter that 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 goes goes to what the first goal was. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, you,
1: the fact that you your two goals came in a rare moment where you were back defensively, and they you know. The first goal comes off a counter so from a corner, uh, from Cincinnati's corner. So that means Cincinnati's defense is not back and set, right? And then the second goal, a little bit similar where you win the ball back at midfield and you get to kind of attack Cincinnati when they're unsettled. So neither of those goals came organically doing what you wanted to do. And that's okay. I mean, you're not always going to score at attacking-wise yeah. the way you intend. But again, it's a little bit worrying to me because you you haven't— you haven't. I mean, even the goal against Columbus is a direct. I think that might have came from Guzan too, where where then Heimann quickly over the top to P.T. That was an own goal, by the way. Why was that goal credited to Joseph? Anyway, whatever. Know. Anyways, because the, the streak is a, is a little 14, questionable. Yeah. That
0: was clearly an own goal. That streak me, continues. 100% own goal. That yeah. was an own goal. But uh, I heard someone someone trying to argue it that was still going on on uh, on goal, and I was like, come on. It looked like the, it was clearly that was, off frame. That, that from ball was going to hit the corner flag. Yeah, it did. It looked. Yeah, so I mean, that's
1: just. ridiculous Anyways. absurd. But uh, yeah, regardless, uh, you know, I think you know, you have to worry a little bit about that because, and I think Barco, to go back to your point earlier, Eric, about who has the technical ability to create passes and create uh, plays in those tight spaces in the last third against a bunkering team. I would I would disagree that Atlanta United don't have technical enough players to maintain possession in those areas. But Barco is the player who can go into the bunker
0: and still create. Emerson Hyman I can't do that. I think that's more what you I mean know, because I know I know that they clearly can maintain yeah. possession. They do. They they had like 80% yeah. possession the entire first half or whatever right. it was. The outrageous. It was close number. to 80. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like I know that they can maintain possession in the opponent's half, but it's 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 penetrating the back line. And it's, I it's think, getting it's getting into more dangerous positions and creating chances. That's that's where I see where this team Barco, is not tech, consistently technical enough, and Barco
1: is the one who does that. I mean, who can who can basically get in between three or four defenders in the last third and still be able to make a positive play going to goal. Uh, Joseph is good at that too, but like you said, he's he's a nine, so he's usually on the last defender. He's yep. usually not in that position. PT Martinez can do it, but as we said, he's more of a dribbler first type in those situations. Whereas Barco can give you a little bit of everything. So I mean, it's it's clear to me that if if Atlanta are going to play the way Frank DeBoer wants, that the only way they can do it and control the tempo of the game for 90 minutes the way you're saying, it, Eric, is with a player like Ezekiel Barco. I mean, and I didn't think it was fair to Emerson Hindman to ask him to basically do the same things that Barco is doing. definitely not that player. You know, if I'm playing yeah. Hindman, I would have gone more of a, a, more of a withdrawn Center midfield, and as opposed to playing Hyman high up the pitch, and then having him try to fill in on the left side like Barco does going forward, you know, I thought it was just too much to ask of him. He's also not a great high press player. You know, we, I mean, he's tiny. Well, I don't. He's not short, but he's small, not not the most muscular guy. So he's yeah. not going to be great in the high press. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think that you know, if you go Barco for Hyman, it's not that Hyman's a bad player. But he doesn't offer any of the dynamism that Barco does. So I think you have to change your tactics up and not expect to furiously high press while also having 65 to 70% possession, while also being good enough on the ball not to be exposed on the counter. I just don't think you can do all of that at once with Barco out and Hindman in his place. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with the knee injury with Barco. But to me, if he's—and I, I would predict he will play a part you know going forward that he'll be healthy and fit by the playoffs but without him and to some extent with him this team really has no identity whatsoever yeah. and, it, it, and that that that's worrying cuz like i said the expectation for Atlanta United is to win mls cup so it sounds like i'm bashing this team that's had a very good season and all that the expectation is to win mls and compete for mls cup and you're not going to do it when you're playing with this lack of balance and you're conceding opportunities you're losing the xg battle to columbus and cincinnati What's going to happen when you have to play NYCFC or Philadelphia? We saw what happened against Philadelphia a few weeks ago.
0: So Atlanta United is suffering from the same problem a team like, really a team like FC Cincinnati suffers from and a team like Portland suffers from where the, when they're on the ball, when they have more of the possession of the ball right now, the way that Atlanta United is constructed, they're, they're not, obviously they're not as great as they can be. They're better suited being off the ball, much like Portland is. If you watched the game for Portland a couple nights ago, you you saw how good they were when they were in transition, when they didn't dominate possession. That's exactly how Atlanta United thrives, especially with a guy like Barco in there. But without a guy like Barco, there's no one. Like you said, there's it's not fair to Emerson Hyman to to, to fill that right. role. And you can play and both
1: ways with Barco. You can play more fast counter sure. do that, or you can play more possession because, like we just said, he can give
0: you that quality in the last third under pressure. But like you said, it gives you it gives you options. It yeah, gives you it, it makes you less. It makes you much more dynamic. But when you're when you when your style of play is essentially dictated by whatever the other team wants to do defensively, like it was yesterday. And look, I like it was a great, it was a good win considering the way Atlanta United played. And I expect that if they're going to play without Barco, that's essentially how they're going to play. This is what you could expect from Atlanta United moving forward. You're not going to like it, but there's really no other option. I mean, at the there's sa- nothing you can do unless you're going to. Concede possession. Which look, I think that Elaine United went into this match not expecting to dominate possession the way they did. I think they wanted to concede possession mm, yeah. because but they when wanted, a team gets
1: behind the ball, you, you like, can't really do anything. Yeah, yeah. right. You and, to-
0: and you you saw when the the moments that uh, FC Cincinnati did have the ball, especially in the first half, most of the first half, whenever they did have the ball, it was it was used launching it forward, hoping to get catch something catch uh, catch something on the break. But that just didn't happen. It, it was either uh, the passes were too long, or, or uh, mainly that was it, or they were just bad passes altogether. But there's not much you can do as Atlanta United. What are you going to do? Just drop back and let FC Cincinnati come to you? You're still in the same boat because yeah, they're all still in front of else you. There's nothing else you can do. You've opened up a little bit more space, but that, that's not enough. You, you would not need FC Cincinnati or a team like FC Cincinnati to press the hell out of you for you to drop back. It, it makes no difference whether whether they're they're filling up the entire half of the field or they're they're filling up the entire uh, Atlanta United's final, entire entire final third. Yeah, the effect is the same because you're not going to have the movement the uh, the space you need for guys like pity pity needs a ton of space so does joseph not as much mhm but joseph in in joseph in any part of the field other than the final th- inside the box needs a ton of space to be effective to 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 be able to launch something forward Miriam and 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 uh, gressel I, I love Miriam because he at least is 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 going to attempt at attacking a player yeah and put and try to try to make it make his job a little bit easier as opposed to just pumping crosses into, you know, four center backs and hoping Joseph can out jump them. Look, that works sometimes, but it's not a it's not a it's not a recipe it's not a recipe for consistency. Yeah, but success. you know, not when not when the entire the entire team is essentially in the box. And
1: I think, but I think that's more. In a, also, Miram playing on his weak side, so he's not going to be able to put in as many crosses. And we've seen him use his left foot uh, several times, and it is. Not always the most accurate. I'm. I don't think. I don't think Justin Miram is is a long term solution uh, at left wing back. I think you've got huge issues playing a player like Miram. Who, yeah, it's fun when he's on the ball and you, you know, he's in space and he gets to go one v one. and We see what a good dribbler he is. But he's not. You know, you play Julian Gressel on the right as an out and out attacking uh, wing back because he because he gives you ten assists a year. You know, Justin Miram doesn't give you that. I mean, and it's—I mean, I think he's gotten a lot of praise, probably deservedly so. And Frank DeBoer's kind of fell ass backward into having him at left wing back because obviously it was not the plan. I don't think it's a long-term solution, and I think teams are are figuring out at Land United when you put an eleven out there and you play three in the back and your two outside wing backs, wing—you uh, know, box to box midfielders, whatever you want to call them—are Justin Miram and Julian Gressel. That's totally giving away how you're going to play, right? You already know that the wide flanks are going to be super, super attacking, and you can be exposed in those areas. And, and they're to gonna, me... They're going
0: to they're give you the wide flanks because they... That's, well, that's the way that those does, guys play. I mean, if, doesn't, if, It doesn't... Yeah, exactly. If you ask
1: Justin Miriam to sit back and play like a Chris McCann traditional left back, he, he's going to struggle because he, he, he's better going forward, and same with Julian Gressel. And it's not a bad thing, but you see that team sheet, you see those two guys, and you know right away, okay, we're gonna get into the wide areas, and we saw Columbus, you know, go after uh, uh, Flo Pogba over and over and sure. over and over again, targeting him down that side, knowing that they do the same Miriam thing. They're doing forward. the same thing. And look, it, you, you know, I think Atlanta United, you could counter that and say, look, if we have our three healthy center backs, and uh, and you didn't have against Columbus, but if we have Robinson, Pierre as an Escobar, those three guys are good enough one v one where we can get away with being caught sure. forward. Although Escobar hasn't been in the best form recently. But my issue was, it's happening. If you you know, we saw this the same thing with Atlanta United last year. You know, you you'd get caught forward, you you get countered. But as the team improved, you didn't see it as often. You know, it's going to happen, but for it to happen to the tune of two and a half, or excuse me, like one point seven xg or whatever Cincinnati had, and then to the tune of uh, Columbus. You know, having thirty-five percent of the possession, but still having double-digit shots and having a bunch of chances to score—that's too open. You know, if you're going to play against a team that's bunkering, or you're going to play even against a team that's pressing you, and you have a lot of the ball, that means you're g- going to be pressed up and exposed. And it, if you're not solid enough on the ball, the game's going to become super open, like we've seen these last two matches. And teams are going to say, "Well, if this game's open, and Atlanta's getting caught forward." We already know the two wing backs are going to be in the in the attacking third, so we just hit the ball into that space and we go. And we also know, and this has been under under discussed, Eric Cometti has been very very bad in the number six role, and he's not providing a good security blanket for that back three either. So. You've got a decent back three, yeah. I mean, yeah, you might have Escobar, Piers, Robinson, but then you look and say, well, those wide defenders and Miriam and Gressel, those aren't really defenders. Well, that center defensive mid that's supposed to come and help those center backs has been getting caught out of position constantly recently and been getting caught on the ball. So, I mean, I think there's a clear way to beat Atlanta United, and Atlanta United has got to play with a little more solidity or they're going to be, I think, exposed consistently uh, in the way that we saw them play the last two matches. The other side of it would be, well when you play better teams in the playoffs, they're not going to sit back the same way. But you still might have teams that try to press you and counter. You might, you know, like Atlanta United did in the postseason last mm-hmm. year, right? It was not a defensive, def- you know, we called it a more defensive Atlanta United last year, but their goal, you know, their defense was their offense, you know, was to go quick and counter and you had the quality to do that. You're going to play teams uh, in the postseason that ha- that can do exactly to Atlanta United this year, what Atlanta United did to teams last year. And, you, I just need to see more consistency, more identity, more cohesion, more organization. Because I understand you're going to get countered every now and then, but it's just far too open for me right now. To the tune of you're, you know, not dominating the match against Columbus and Cincinnati.
0: Sure. I think we need to see uh, Lorenowitz against. I agree. I, I, I think. I think you're absolutely right. He's been in in a, in a terrible run of form. form of Rometty. Late. Yeah, and uh, I think that at least to send that signal that okay. We can't have this continue to Rometty. We got we need you to this these are important matches. We need you to step your game up. Um, throw in Lorenowitz and look, it, it's not it's not that far fetched a thing a guy like like Jeff Lorenowitz can see the season out in that position if Rometty is just not able to do what do what he's been doing that's made him so lovable with Atlanta United up until the last few matches. Yeah. But he's got it. Like something's got to change there because you're right. That 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 security blanket that he provides, for Metti, the security blanket that Remedi should provide, that, that right Lorentowitz provided right. last year. I mean, and you look Larenowitz, at it. Lorentowitz is is is. is well, maybe he's not as technical as Remedi. Maybe he's not as 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 fast as Remedi, but you know what you get of Jeff Lorentowitz. He's he's very capable at that position, um. And he's not. It's not that. It's not necessarily worse than Rometty at that position. It's just maybe a little bit different. But you know that with Lorenowitz, you have a probably a stronger security blanket than you have right now. Or at least, at this point, you have nothing to lose.
1: And, and to, and to Rometty's credit, he, he, he played his best match in a while against Cincinnati, but it, it was Cincinnati. And I think the big difference between those two, Eric, is not... You know, you don't need a super technical passing-type player in that position with what Frank DeBoer wants. You want a guy that just reads the game well and, and, and can complete passes. And again like I said if you're going to have two wingbacks that aren't really defenders the ability of your defensive mid to read to first of all stay back in position so he can help the center backs easily as opposed to getting you know caught way out is very important uh and also his ability to read the game to kind of know you know, okay, the ball's moving to the right. I need to immediately cover for my right center back who's going to get pulled out wide, you know. Eric Mendes is not the type of player, and that's not, I'm not even criticized, aside from the fact his form hasn't been great, he's more of a ball-winning midfielder where he wants to chase the ball and go win it, and that's fine. Uh, But, like I said, last year, you had, at least, even if you had Gressel on one side, you had Garzo or McCann on the other, a more defensive left back. So you always had four players kind of back-defending, even if Rometty kind of went walkabout. But this year, like I said, you don't have that. Both your wing backs go up. So you have to have an ultra-conservative number six that reads the game well and doesn't make mistakes. And Eric Rometty is just, first of all, not that type of player, even at his best, he's not that right. type of player where he's just a little more, uh, you know, he, he wants to go more box-to-box. And I think that's why Lorentowitz and he were such a great pairing last year, because Rometty could go do what he did with the ball winning and, 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 and Lorentowitz could sit a little deeper. But the current system under De Boer only calls for one of those types of players because Darlington Nagby has been so good. And Darlington Nagby is not a player that wants to sit in front of the defenders. You know, he's an eight. He wants to go box to box. So, again, all the more crucial that you have someone that's smart, reads the game well, positionally sound, doesn't make mistakes on the ball. And it, it, Jeff Lorenowitz fits that role better. And certainly with the general form Eric Rometty has been in, until the Cincinnati match, I think you have to go Lorenowitz going forward.
0: Fingers crossed on that one. Uh, we haven't seen much change in the last few matches outside of what was necessary with LGP and Pogba. But um, maybe after a match like this... look And look, because he did have a, great, a, a relatively better game than he's had in the last few Yeah, he, few he weeks, was much, much better. In all likelihood, uh, uh, Frank DeBoer gives him another shot against San Jose. But I, I would like to see... I You might just need to see something different just to have, a, a, one, maybe a more veteran presence, maybe a more vocal presence, and maybe, maybe a... a more of an enforcer Yeah just someone that's bro.
1: that's that doesn't
0: do a lot right
1: just in, someone that's in the right places plays simple out of the back that's that's Jeff Lawrence yeah. and that's why Jeff Lawrence has been such a key cog in Atlanta cuz he his kind of uh uh stereotypical American white boy game of being super disciplined and fit and tough is able to compensate for the very creative free flowing players around him, you know? Yeah. So, so that it's the same type of dynamic, but augmented, I think even more because like I said, you're playing wingbacks that don't defend and, and you're playing Darlington Nagby as the other quote unquote holding mid. So you need that holding mid to almost be like a stopper and just sit back. Right. And I do think Frank de Boer, to his credit, uh, Did have Eric Rometty playing that position. And, you know, going back and watching the matches, it's clear that it's basically forming a diamond with the back three and then him sitting in front of the center central no center back and it forms a diamond but too often he you know just doing what he's used to doing would leave the space to go and try and win the ball or you know things like that and and you just can't afford to do that in such an attacking setup with a back three you just can't do it and I see these problems all over the place for Atlanta United and again we're talking about winning MLS Cup here not being a good team it's a good team right but you need to have a little more balance you need to have an established identity and I'm just not seeing that quite yet there's still time to figure it out we saw Atlanta kind of figure out their identity in the postseason last year. Um, although I would argue it was kind of based off of some things you already learned about the team. I just don't know how this team plays best
0: right now. I just don't because I don't think th- I don't think the team with the team without Barco without Barco at at a hundred well at a high percentage yeah preferably a hundred percent but whatever you can get coming back from this knee injury. Um, without him i don't think this this team is going very far it just far.
1: feels like if you are going to go far it's going to be because joseph with an incredible individual play yeah. P.T. with an incredible individual play That's good it's hard to win four matches in a row against playoff way. teams yeah. doing that you know and those
0: are those are good for for you know single game wins right those are good for for maybe a, a first round match and then the next round you're going to get thumped yeah that's yep. maybe good for a, a one 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 match. And I know he's scored in in the last it 15. It could totally happen. But Don't scoring, get me wrong. Scoring in fifteen straight doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win all those games. Yeah. Now, yeah. it just so happens that Atlanta United has won more more often than not, but look at the last three matches. Yeah. You go up against Philadelphia and um and Columbus, you only score one. They happen to be Joseph. To me, it just means that they're 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 relying too much on just getting the ball to Joseph. Yeah, and I think, and that, that makes defending in Atlanta United so much easier, it's especially when you can't dominate the middle of the field in enclosed spaces like that.
1: And it's because I just don't think there's a clear identity for the team yet. And I think part, I,
0: but that's the thing. I, I don't know. Sure. There, so there's no there's no identity. We can agree there. Well,
1: I think I know what they want to do.
0: I don't think they can do but, it. Yeah, I mean, I don't it, think they it, can physically. I don't without think they Barco. physically had the talent to do it without Barco. I think dominating the middle of the field and playing yeah. playing playing. One, two-touch passes and stuff like that. That's just not going to happen near or outside the box for this team as it's constructed no, I right just now think, without Barco. And if it
1: does happen, you're basically saying, okay, well, hopefully our great players will make some great plays and we can outscore you. Sure. I don't see this Atlanta United team winning a match like they did in Yankee Stadium in the postseason last year. I I'm just almost, don't
0: see it. I, I am a bit thankful, though, that this is a one— uh, assuming Barco's not playing for any part of, of this this final stretch of the season and into the playoffs— I am thankful at a single elimination because I think that that would tend to lead teams, especially teams that we might play, to bunker less because they're going to need to score. Yeah. So that might open up the match a little bit, and I think the team as constructed right now, without Barco, has a better chance to play when they has a better chance to win and score different ways, not necessarily just through Joseph, when the game is much more open when they're not facing a a a a a low block. type of team. Whether or not they don't have when the when the when the opposition doesn't have ten guys in the box. That's at least without Barco, that's where I think Atlanta United is going to thrive should they face those opponents. But that's not necessarily guaranteed and I wouldn't want to bank on that. We'll see it against San Jose, because that's a team that's gonna, gonna gonna play. Yeah, that'll be they're gonna yeah. it's gonna be an interesting match to see how it ha- how it all works out, especially without Barco. Because if you if you if Atlanta United goes into that match, uh as open as I as I feel like it's gonna be and comes out looking fantastic, then you have hope for what the playoffs might look like should Barco not be there. And I think hope, I mean, this is a talented team, so I think with or you without Barco, I yeah. think
1: we'll see this team start to figure out they still found a way to win they need. Like we said, it's just the personnel, right? Because you can't say, okay, we don't have Barco, we can't control the game the way we want. You can't do what Atlanta United did last year in the postseason and say, okay, we're just going to play five across the back and counter with our front two because you don't have full backs. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you, you who are you going to put at your left wing back spot? You could put Pogba there, I guess or Parkhurst, you know, and then but then what do you do with Escobar? Does he move to the right or, you know, I mean, it's it's it, it's a tough situation because we, I I don't see this team going back to four in the back at this point especially. And when you play that back 3, you're just committed to an attacking Kind of uh, set up because of who you're playing as your wing backs, and I know I've said it a million times, but you know we can sit here and say, yeah, we don't think Atlanta United can play this way without Ezekiel Barco, but you don't really have any choice because you don't have the the personnel
0: to play a different way in a three back shape. I think what I'm getting at, and I haven't really said it, I'm not gonna, oh, well, I'm good not, for <laughs> you, Eric. I'm not going to specifically blame put the blame on Frank De Boer if things don't go well in the playoffs. Because I think that the personnel to fit to fit any system, even anything that that we had under Tata Martino, the personnel is just not there. I'd say it's, he, it's, he, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's the, a, the personnel is unbalanced. It's you don't have depth everywhere, right? I think there's plenty enough attack. I like the center backs, but like we just said, you have these weird situations. where are playing an inverted winger as your left wing back. You know things like that. Uh, you, I see.
0: I don't think we have enough in the attack. Really? Because I I'm, I sit here and I look at Hyman. I'm like, okay, well, Hyman essentially is a diff- is is another Nagby. Na- Nagby off the team, Hyman's taking that position, mm-hmm. and you and you put Pereira in that in that in that spot or something or whatever. It's, you that's find a different player and they are to put to put in that position, because I, that's not he's not a guy that's going to uh, quick pass you into into death to to open up space for Joseph or, or really to find a dangerous pass to Joseph. He's not by himself creating chances. Pity isn't by himself. Often enough, consistently enough, creating chances. I know you got the assist. Relax. Yeah, but again,
1: think about how the assist came from. He's a great player. He was an sure. open space. He did
0: what he's good at. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, which is that he's quality. He's an open. If yes. it, uh, if everybody wanted to player. attack their whole team forward, like that'd be wonderful. Yeah,
0: I, I put the same kind of syndrome uh, 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 that that he he's got the same kind of syndrome that Tito has in, in tight spaces. Sure. Every now and then he'll pull something off. And you're wow, like, that's awesome. Harsh, harsh. But from it's Eric, true. Who we all know hates. It's true Cito though. Vigalba. It's true. I don't hate him. Oh yes, you do. But there's a reason he's not playing. Because you hate him. You ruined his there's confidence. A, there's a reason he's not. Oh
1: yeah, because he's listening. To I blame me. I blame Eric. The Eric curse. I wonder I if this know. has gotten around to him. By the so, way,
0: well, <laughs> like I wonder if he sees me in the in the dressing room. and He's like that guy. Blame Eric. Screw that guy. Blame Eric. Uh, yeah. I, I, if anyone knows, anyone's got insider knowledge, let me know. I'm curious. Well, we'll. I don't know though. I think you're just you're. A- I, have you have you? Last three matches have essentially been that type of team, minus maybe Columbus. Yeah, but I think all three and, matches and you controlled possession, but the game was still super, you, super open. Sure, you controlled possession, but does that mean that you can you can dissect a team that's that's got ten guys in the box? I mean, I, I because the way that Atlanta United but, likes to play, and I just I don't I don't see any other way they can play, given the team they have right now. But given the way that that they're playing, this team is not is not does not have is not consistently consistently technical enough would, to to uh, to win games. I think saying By consistently the, technical is what not I mean. The word. Well, I I say that because it's the same. It's the same way I describe. I would describe uh, Tito Jabba. He's the guy that yeah, he can pull it off, but it's not going to be consistent, right? Well, you need. I'm to, not saying he needs to nail it every time. I would say, but it's it needs to be more than like once every ten chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs to be more often than that. It's, it needs to be. Uh, it, Pity needs to either develop. And he's got the skill, yeah. but he needs to utilize that skill much more often and have it come off much more often. Well, just for me to be convinced that, for me to be convinced that that that's a thing that the team can do in those tight spaces. I think we learned that
1: PT is not
0: that guy when, when he was yeah, playing right. underneath Joseph in the four back, he was asked that to be guy. more box to box. Miram is more that guy, but specifically on the wing, Gressel's not that guy either. I'm not saying no. they they've never done and it. Ten- that's not what I'm saying. Don't don't get my words twisted. What I'm saying is that it's not consistent. It's that maybe they pull it off every now and then. Just because Tito Vigilba has shown flashes of skill every now and then doesn't mean he can do it consistently. I think, that's, I think the, the, his lack of playing time this year and Frank DeBoer specifically saying, uh, talking about how he plays in tight spaces and then Tata Martino essentially relegating him to, to, uh, to a bench spot, a super sub, toward the end of the season last year. I think, I think that's all we need to know. Don't give me crap about Tito Vigilba. I think every. Look, I, two top managers have said the same thing, basically.
1: Yeah. Right, good for good for you, Eric. <laughs> Genius. No, but so okay. I got a brain. I, I use it. I I am more so. You're right about Barco, but let's be fair. The most teams don't have two players like that, right? I mean, it's like we
0: don't even we don't have one player most,
1: like that. Well, well, no Barco, I mean, sure, Barco's one. Yeah. hurt. I'm I mean, talking about specifically. That's how good he is. I mean, most teams, you only if you're lucky, you have two guys like that who are able to still attack in a dynamic way against a bunkering team with players around them. Those players don't grow on trees. But the problem is Atlanta United's personnel means that when that player is not in the lineup. Like we just said, you still have to play the same way. And I think we need to address this thing we talked about in the offseason. Atlanta United Front Office has been great. They absolutely botched both fullback positions this year in the offseason. You traded Greg Garza. I know no one liked Chris McCann, but you let him go. You went into the season with a 16-year-old left back and George Bellow, Breck Shea. And he still my, only played one. The, who's played one match Not all one year. MLS match. Well, which, which, again, goes to show why it was maybe a bit much to put have this guy your first choice starter. Then you have Brekshay. You're unlucky, right? Brekshay tears his ACL. Although I think many would argue is a downgrade from Greg Garza, although I would counter with Garza's hurt all the time. Mikey Ambrose. I, I also
0: think he's maybe more defensive than Miriam, but effectively doing the same thing Miriam's doing. Maybe not as high, but effectively still doing But the same I
1: thing. still would rather have Brekshay back. I know that people get on him for his 1v1 defending, but I would still rather have Brekshay back than Justin Miriam, who has probably never played left back in his entire life. Um, because there are times where you're going to have to have that player come back and defend. So you got Brexche with the injury. Mikey Ambrose has been in and out all year, but most importantly, he's been back, and clearly Frank de doesn't rate the guy. Uh, Jose Hernandez clearly doesn't rate. So you went to the season left back with basically two left backs the manager was willing to give minutes to. One of them was 16 years old. The other one was Breccia, who was injured. You're unlucky. We talked about, I, I talked much more about the right side, how it was ridiculous the team went into the season with Franco Escobar and no one else as your right back. Uh, and so you're in this position now because of injuries, and uh, you know, you know, for instance, Ambrose maybe being in bad form. Yeah. Where you just don't have a choice. Where you have to play a super attacking Gressel on one side because you need to play Escobar as one of the center backs. You have no left backs healthy other than Mikey Ambrose. Uh, so you play Miram there. You know, I mean, the the crux of the problem here, Eric. Is yes, you miss Barco, but any team would miss their most dynamic sure. player. The problem is you don't have the ability because of those lack lack of depth on the on with your fullbacks. You don't have the ability to fall back
0: into a shell and play more defensively. You just don't. I think the idea in bringing in Pity was that he was going to be sort of he was going to be the either the one or the two in the one two punch that was going to be Barco and Pitt and, and if, Pitty. But that just hasn't panned out the way they thought it would. I'm if, not saying that Pitty is a bad player right. or, or that he that he's not no, no, good no. for Atlanta, but the 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 vision they had for him with Atlanta United, that specific vision hasn't panned out. He's panned out in a different way, a, a, a good way. It's I agree. just it's different than what they, I think they originally had. And I don't want to, but I don't want to say that too much. I mean, I feel f- part of it is also us as fans
1: thinking he was sure, going to be yeah. a different no, type of absolutely. player than he was. If if they thought that he was going to do the things you're talking about, Eric, I mean, how can you be dynamic and positive when there are four or five players around you and consistently hold on to the ball? Uh, if the idea was for him to be that player the way Barco is, I yeah. think he was pretty much exposed as not being able to be that player earlier in the let, season. Let,
0: let me be clear. I still think that this team would struggle with the same—FC uh, Cincinnati would have looked relatively the same with Almito in the lineup. Yes, Because I think you're still—it You're still. would have been—sure, it would have been, sure, been I different. don't think you're getting hit as often on sure. the counter. I still think going forward, in the attack, we're talking about sure, specifically sure. in the final third and in the attacking half and all that stuff— the team looks exactly the same. Almirón no Almirón. So it's 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 a product of Lanny United not being able to figure out over the last 3 years how to break down to me it but seems you know, obvious. To me it seems obvious. To me it seems okay, well if we're going to if we're going to if we're going to basically you concede possession you play real deep. Hope that you can draw FC Cincinnati out. Yeah and then you chuck it long. But you can't do that though because then you, you have Miriam want, and Gressel you, but you, but you, trying to go defend 1v1. Sure, but if the, if but then you got to make a switch at halftime. If you know that that's what FC Cincinnati's going to do. Then but there's all, no fullbacks. That's an, I mean you could put Parkers su- there. There's there, there's something you can do. But I don't I don't mind. I don't mind Frank Deboer
1: saying, "All right, well, I mean, we've got to go for the win, right? We don't want to sit back at halftime when it's nil-nil. I just think
0: no, and I think that's what he told his team. He, I mean, I remember he, well, he said to be patient. patient yeah, and, but I think the, the the direction was to maybe not hold on to possession as often because, like, again, you weren't breaking that down. They pulled back. Uh-huh. They started playing longer balls. And, and you did have less possession in the second you did. half. Yeah. I, I, but I also think, Eric, like if a
1: team bunkers and you're going to have a lot of the ball, you don't totally mind the game being boring, right? If you have top players... You don't mind, and you're going to say eventually, you know, as long as we play positively and we go at them, we're going to have the individual players to break in. This game was way too open. The Columbus game was way too open. You know, if a team is going to sit back on you and defend, you know, Eric, you say Atlanta, I haven't figured out how to do it. I just think it's damn hard. I, I, I mean, it's
0: hard to break down a, a block of five and a block of four. I also think the other thing about it is that Atlanta United knew that they had one. This should this absolutely was going to have to be a win after what happened yeah. with Columbus. They went to this match knowing that maybe yeah. it puts a little bit more pressure had, on them. Maybe to. they over they 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 try they exert a little too much effort uh, in certain things, and that causes uh, maybe a lack of whatever. They go into this match knowing that they have to win. Maybe that adds a that the added pressure just just does something to them that that they didn't expect. They got to find a way to one get over that. Um, go into into these matches knowing that sure they are the better team. They could easily lose this game. They could have easily lost this game against FC Cincinnati, yeah. which would have been, oh, after the Columbus thing, would have been ultimately embarrassing. Could have easily drawn it, too. Uh, no, no. Yeah, that could have, I was thinking nil-nil, honestly. But there's got to be, one point. There's, there's, I don't know who's got to be the best. I don't know if that's if that's someone on in the starting 11 on the field, or if that needs to come from Frank DeBoer. Something had to change in those moments. Because and, and and maybe Frank DeBoer was like, you know what? Let's just ride out the first half. Let's just see how it goes, and then second half we'll make adjustments. Yeah. Uh, typically, that's what that's what coaches do. Um, and again, you saw that they were—I'm not going to say deliberately giving up possession, but they were much more open to playing longer balls, um, finding much more open spaces, um, much more willing to get on the counter. I think. I mean, the first obviously the first goal it was kind of obvious. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as Tito gets into the game, he he adds the pressure uh, after the the Guzan goal kick. How often do we see Guzan goal kicks?
1: You mean go, you mean go go long? long? Yeah,
0: on goal kicks. Not not, not that often. often. Yeah, yeah. And he, more and often even than if not. He does
1: put in there. It's usually like a little ping to the touch line, or something. it's not sure, like he just yeah. bombs it down the he, pitch.
0: But in this case, he's just bombing it forward, yeah. hoping to create some chaos. That's exactly what happens. Then you get the magic that Joseph is, in, in the second. Quarter. And that's a tweak you can make, right? You can say, "Look, we're, and sure, and we're possession based, but we." Happened.
1: And for all we know, Frank and, and Frank Deport's probably been harping on this all year. Cause sure, it's, it's not an uncommon thing. But it's like, look, when we get in a position where Cincinnati or whoever are card out, you know, whether it be quick distribution for the keeper or attacking them from a corner or whatever, you better go direct then, because those chances are few and far between. We're actually going to be able to
0: open them up defensively. I yeah, I think the idea that Frank DeBoer, even in those moments, would be like, No, let's Because why would you say stop, that? Relax. Like why are people like, No, Frank no, no, DeBoer's- when it's
1: three v two, Frank DeBoer's like, No, no, no,
0: but Frank bring it not- back. Frank Let De- the defense get set. Give you, me may, a break. you may not like him, you may think he's dumb, he's not he's not that no dumb. No one is that dumb.
1: Yeah. I mean, at least no one with a A license or whatever he has is that dumb. But you know, I mean, yeah, right? that's so funny. Like 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 I've heard
0: that a couple of times. Like, even when they No one does even that. when they're, uh, they're one v one with a keeper, you tell them to to, to pull right. it back and, and possess that's him. That's like saying if you play
1: like uh, you know, slow four corners off offense, and yeah. basketball, you get a breakaway. <laughs> you no, you're just it kinda, back no, out, no, come on. Run the <laughs> offense, you know. Pretty ridiculous. But uh, we'll see. Look, look we'll it was see. a win. That's all that and, really and matters. And San Jose is going to be super interesting. I mean, it's a much better opponent. Um, the way they play, I think Almeida is, 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 is more of a similar style in a way to what Atlanta United does. Um, so it's going to be a totally different type of game, game. But again, I think you might run into the same problems where you're, you're going to have more of the ball and uh, and you need to make sure that if you have a lot of the ball that the game's not that open. That whether it's slow, fast, medium speed, whatever, is being played in the opposition's half and then whether it's boring or not, hopefully you have the individual quality to break, break through. But it's going to be a much, much tougher match against San Jose. who's a much better opponent than uh, Columbus and Cincinnati.
0: And look, while they're much better, I think they've won like two of the last seven yeah, matches they, they've played. They've, it's, they've, it's, they've definitely tailed off they had a, a great bit, yeah. run in the middle of the season. They've definitely tailed off. The teams uh, they have beaten is Vancouver and Orlando in the last like seven matches. So we know Orlando City and Vancouver hasn't been great either this year. Um, right now they're in six, so they uh, in the West. So they certainly want to improve their playoff position. Uh, they got a chance to shoot up. They're to great at, at home, least, though. Yeah, at they least only lost three all year at home. At least into fourth place if everything goes their way this weekend. Um, well, that would be best case scenario heading to fourth mm-hmm. uh, so they definitely definitely see this as opportunity to get more points improve their playoff standings um and, and try to you know try to kind of ruin the ruin the party for atlanta United, at least and no not even ruin the party because it's at their house so they're trying to do what they can to 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 win at home to do what they got to do to again improve their stock in the playoffs and find a way to win i look i'm 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 cautiously optimistic. I'm more optimistic about this match than I was FC Cincinnati, especially after Columbus, because of how open this sh- game should be. Yeah, because San Jose, like you said, you're at
1: home. They're not you're going to st- go for yeah. three points. They're not going to... Oh, not, not, what am I talking about? Atlanta's at home, but I think San Jose will play a little yeah, more great. open. And Almeida doesn't... Pretty much plays open no matter what, right? right? So We'll see. I mean, uh, I think... In some ways, I think it could be a dangerous, dangerous match, because just like I said, the the way... That San Jose try to play, and they do have so much more, in my opinion, a bit more attacking quality. And I know we love to jump
0: on Chris Wondolowski because he's. Oh, Chris so we would spent twenty minutes talking about. But, well, Sam would have spent twenty minutes talking about. Right, Chris. yeah. <laughs> and it's hate for Chris Wondolowski. Right. We're asking for something he did to like, what, uh, well, twenty I years I ago. Well, and I know now?
1: we get on. I mean, I, I look. I like to get on Chris Wondolowski too, because if you're lead, the leading MLS goal scorer of all time, that means you played in MLS a long time, which means. People in better leagues probably didn't watch you. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I had to get it in. I had to get it in. But if Chris Wondolowski, if the game's open, and like I said, you're you're getting hit into these open spaces, if Chris Wondolowski is on the end of these chances that some of the Cincinnati guys were, that, that ball's going to be in the oh, back yeah, of the net. Sure. If he's on the end of the chance that uh, that that uh, uh, Dally was on at the very end, where he
0: like skied, skied it, it from inside. Yeah. It's like, this team is so bad. Chris very, Wondolowski very, is finishing well, that. Well, I mean, he's proven that... At times, he does miss <laughs> yeah, those that's opportunities. True. That's There's true. There's the San Franco shot right there. <laughs> there we go. Sam, <laughs> Sam lives. But also, they've got a really good midfield.
1: I mean, I, I've really enjoyed San Jose uh, when I when I've watched them play,
0: and I think that you know again, it's just fun because they're not they're not defensive. Yeah. As as much as a team like FC Cincinnati, like you said, Eric, that could work into your hands, right? Because I'm interested. I'm interested to see what it looks like because I got to think that those are the type of teams you're going to see in the playoffs because in a single elimination tournament, you got to score. You definitely want, don't want to leave it to PKs. You would rather not leave it to PKs. So at least in the first 45, you're going to try to come out and play. Mm-hmm. Once you score, it's a different story. But at least to start the match, you're going to want to come out and play no matter who you are. Right. right. Um, I mean, I don't know that many of the teams that would make the playoffs are bunkering teams anyway at this point, but you get my point. Yeah, and I think, you know, San Jose remind me. My, my point is, is that we're probably going to see these teams that that open up the field a little bit. And so I want to see what this team, with that barcode looks like with the, with the guys maybe Remetti and or uh, Lorenzo Watson from Remedie that being the only change mm-hmm. let's see how this team looks against a team that we m- would more likely see in the playoffs than uh maybe the rest of the season. Right, and I think the
1: big similarity you'll see with San Jose is uh is that you know, I think they might un- they, they've had a good amount of possession this year. It's similar to Atlanta United last year where the, they had a lot of possession uh as a, it wasn't a prerequisite for the way they play, but since they're so aggressive and press a lot, they inevitably end up with a lot of the ball. I think you'll see San Jose, except they're not going to have a lot of the ball uh, when they play Atlanta United, but they're going to press, and right. they're going to try to win the ball back, and that's more of what you're going to see for Atlanta United. Yeah, you might not see a team drop back with a bank of five and a bank of four, but you will see some teams, I think, you know, get back behind the ball and then have their midfield press and try to win the ball back. So that's going to be the big test for Atlanta United. Is like you said, Eric. Do you have the consistent technical ability to deal with a team that maybe not is not just sitting back and absorbing pressure, but is maybe playing with a little more of a defensive setup, but is also pressing you constantly, trying to win the ball
0: back and counter? Which is exactly what Atlanta United did last year in the postseason. It's not as necessary as a team that as as uh, as as it would be against a team that bunkers, especially if it's open, but. That is something I will be looking to, looking forward to seeing, should they be able to figure it out, is how consistently technical they can be in those moments where they do maintain or do have the bulk of possession, force, and this is what I hate, they force the other team to, to sit back.
1: Right. That's what you want. And,
0: you want to force a team back. And, and th- right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sure. In any other scenario where you did have players that could technically beat the crap out of yeah. you in the final third, you would want that to happen, but... The way Atlanta is formatted right now, and not not the case. That match Saturday three thirty. Is that one of those? F-
1: it's it's only Univision, and they lie about the kickoff time like no other channel. Is that kickoff actually at four? Probably. Anyways, pre at keep, at three fifty. Keep uh keep keep an eye on that, yeah, uh, y'all, for the actual kickoff time because
0: Univision has. So that. it is an Univision match. Yeah. Um. So make sure all you uh, all, all listen to the Spanish uh, commentators that match. Starts if you're on TV watching, pregame at uh,
1: 3:20. Oh, okay, so maybe it is at like a 3:30. Game. Oh, I
0: don't know. I just I'm making that up. Oh, you're just making stuff up. Good <laughs> job, Eric. It's supposed to be at 3:30 start, but we probably won't start to like five o'clock. Five o'clock. And if you're trying to stream it, you probably won't get it anyway. Oh boy, but it's good thing it'll be on Twitter. It's because gonna be that's good, man. It's, good. it's gonna map. be it's gonna be open.
1: I think it's gonna be a really really fun match to watch, and uh, and and like I said earlier, a much better representation of the, uh. Uh, of uh, You know, like we said, you're not going to see teams bunker in the postseason, but you're going to see teams look to counter you through their high pressure and press, pressure through the midfield. That's what you're going to see from San Jose this weekend. So a great kind of litmus test for Land United to figure out where you are uh, in, in, in a single-game uh, elimination scenario. What's up, so? All
0: right. I was going to get into something else. Did you see the deep cuts with Joseph Martinez? Uh, Which one was this? The the video that came out today where he's with the uh, barber. Oh, I saw about uh, haircuts, yes. It was fantastic. Have you not gotten to see it yet? No, I saw I it making the up. rounds we, on and Twitter. We, and we rushed this thing a, a little bit there at the beginning, but what, what uh What's good about it? If you haven't seen it, just, it's just uh, more of a Joseph Martinez's personality. You don't often see what he's actually like. Um, You see things differently in the dressing room. So I have yeah, seen sure. a little yeah. bit. I have seen a little bit of Ho-ho. what he is. Uh, more per- how would you his, his personality, but it comes off very well in the uh, in in the in the video that. We how put would out. you peg him personality wise?
1: He seems like a kind of a, kind of a nerdy goofball. Yeah, right. Because it, <laughs> it's funny because on the field he's kind of your stereotypical kind of like yeah, but then he seems off very the field, he's a little, he seems he's very a like goofy. goofy and silly and like yeah, but um. Obviously love Joseph Martinez.
0: Uh, but yeah, if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another thing I wanted to bring up. If you're uh, interested, by the way, we did a talking
1: tactics a couple months ago on how to specifically break down a bunker and got the magnets out. So you can check that out on Mouth of the South podcast YouTube page. Um, and obviously, if you look at the specifics of how to break it down, Barco is is, is absolutely a uh, uh, critical for for breaking down the bunker the way that we described. The other thing I was going to bring up Eric, uh, and we don't really have enough time to go deep into this. There's going to be a player lockout next year, man. I oh, think, I, think so that, too. I I mean I don't even know. I mean I think you're going to have and you know, we'll be talking about this much more in the months to come. they are going to
0: th- get every single thing that they or they should. Well, if you consider There's no way that a team that's dependent as heavily as they are on on their players that they don't get every single thing they want, and, you, and it's not that—that's not that right. di- they're not that difficult of changes.
1: But you know that just like I mean, you know, and I'm always on the player side when it comes to lockouts because you know I always take the millionaires' side over the billionaires' side, or in this case, you know, some of these guys not even the millionaires and
0: the billionaires.
1: <laughs> but you know, like you know, the owners are obviously going to try and, and get you know every dime they can. That's that's how they became as successful, I assume, financially as they are. But the reason, I mean. We, th- there's got to be a huge gap between, you know, the, when you consider the pay increases where the league is given more sure. allocated money, the quality of product on the field, the type of big names you're getting in, the expansion, and then these guys are flying charter and not, you know, like, there there is clearly a huge, huge gulf uh, between what the players want and deserve and between what they're getting right now. And I just, I just feel like it's going to be nasty and, and we we're, we might miss some regular season time last year even because... You know, the, the growth of MLS over the last two or three years has been huge. I think it's going to take a while for the yeah. owners to give up what they need to give up to compensate uh, through paycheck and otherwise uh, these players for the level that the league is now at and the, and the levels that those players have brought the league to.
0: For sure. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I did want to bring it up because we do have a lot I'm of fans intri- I'm intrigued in supporters groups. Okay. Jeff Carlisle tweeting out about two hours ago, the meeting between MLS and three supporters groups, um, and this is regarding a united front, exceeded three hours. Though there have been several breaks for each side to huddle together, no word yet on the meeting. Uh, No word yet that the meeting is close to concluding. About an hour ago, so let's say around 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. Meeting to an MLS and the supporters groups has concluded. Supporters groups... Declined to comment beyond saying they need to debrief. And then Timber's Army is retweeted by Jeff Carlisle. Uh, the supporter I'll generalize by saying the supporter groups have concluded concluded our meeting with MLS regarding Iron Front imagery, fan code of contact, and inclusion education. At this time, no final decision has been made, and we look forward to continuing our conversation Tuesday, 9:24. So no, so, so there's really no news. I'm just, I'm just letting you know that
1: there's no news. Classic Eric. <laughs> Um, Build it up and break it, is, it down. It right is. There. I mean, it's and it's not really. I think, you know, we're not really the podcast that goes that deep into these issues. You know, obviously, we love our listeners that are in supporters group, but you I know, do criticize I'm, some. Uh, I guess I am a, a member of, of the faction, but uh, but uh, I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself someone, someone that's ensconced in the supporters group. Supporter section lifestyle. You know, and then, you know, you get free tickets and. Uh, I don't get tickets. And, you know, free press passes, whatever. You know, you're the bougiest I of bougies. I get a pass
0: that, 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 that Atlanta United can revoke at any point.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully I'm, they don't lucky, to this podcast. I'm
0: lucky and thankful that they give me the access that they give me. <laughs> they clearly
1: are unaware of the content you are providing. Oh, please. Uh, but, uh, no. I I, the and then Sam, I think uh, when he goes. Uh, I don't think he sits in the supporter section. Someone would probably try to beat him up. But uh, either way, <laughs> what are we talking about? All right. Uh, what any, are we talking about? Thoughts? You can follow me on Twitter at JoshB914 for my soccer takes.
0: Probably not much political. You can find me at Eric G. Um, you can follow the podcast at MOTS Podcast. And what else is there? Patreon.com slash MOTS Podcast. Follow the YouTube channel.
1: Radio show every Wednesday. Radio show every Wednesday.
0: That does it. Alright, until next time. See you later, Lana.